Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <coughs> excuse me, today uh, there's a uh, bill going to the Senate called the um, Respect for Marriage Act. Doesn't that sound nice? Respect for Marriage Act. But it actually is trying to undermine authentic marriage as given by God himself between a man and a woman. And this uh, act that they, they want to put into law, which could happen today if they, they vote today, basically uh, will um, demolish the definition that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it will give statutory authority for same-sex marriages, repealing provisions that define marriage as between a man and a woman. It will also carry uh, heavy fines and actions for those who violate this act, which would become a law, uh, stating that those who uh, don't abide by the new definition of marriage can be penalized. So this is an attack on people of faith. Pray against this today. We do not want this to pass. And isn't it funny how they name things, the way they manipulate words, the Respect for Marriage Act. Oh, it's like I'm, I'm pro-choice. Uh, it's a woman's right to choose. But to choose what? So this this thing we have to pray against. Also, you know, just because Roe v. Wade got overturned doesn't mean the battle for life has ended. There was it was a small victory to send it to the states, but it seems to have supercharged the left, supercharged hell, I would add, uh, to continue pushing for the right to kill babies. While I was away. Uh, this past two weeks, <clears throat> apparently Anne Hathaway, the American actress, was on The View. That that show really, it, The View is part of the word. It, the title should be called The View from Hell. The View from Hell. That's what the show should be called. Um, there are two Catholics on the panel, by the way, that I know of. Joy Behar, who I, I have dubbed Sorrow Behar. She's the, the furthest thing from Joy I've ever seen. And Sunny Hostin, also not so sunny, often sourpussed, but these, and they just embraced this woman's ideas about abortion. Now, here's the shocking thing. By the way, let me just tell you something. Anne Hathaway has a particular pull with young women, even young girls, because uh, she it was starring in the movies called The Princess Diaries, which was geared towards young, younger uh, children. And then she had a big hit in The Devil Wears Prada, which was geared towards um, older kids and, and young adults. So she has 
a tremendous pull with the youth. Uh, so when she speaks, she's in many ways uh, forming their the minds of many people with her opinions. I don't know why we believe that celebrities have more insight than the rest of us, but somehow that has become a rule. And they get the platform to speak out, and The View is one of them. So what did she do? She went on The View, and she said that abortion should be considered mercy. Abortion is another word for mercy. A quote, I'll quote you exactly what she said, my own personal experience with abortion. So she's had an abortion, at least one. And I don't think we talk about this enough. Abortion can be another word for mercy. And you're wrong. There is no mercy in abortion. Just think of the way we use the word mercy. When we go to mass, we say in the penitential rite, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Can we substitute that word? Does it make any sense? Lord, have abortion. Christ, have abortion. Lord, have abortion. No, they are not synonymous. They do not. They are the furthest thing from each other that one can muster in one's brain. But because this woman from Hollywood said it, uh, millions of people heard it, and many of them will believe it. Many of them will believe it. She went on to say, we know that no two pregnancies are alike. Well, I would say that's true because in every particular pregnancy, there's a different uh, coming together of a, a different egg and a different sperm. Uh, and no two lives are alike. That's true, too. It follows that no two conceptions are alike. Yes, I'll give you that as well. So how can we have a law? How can we have a point of view on this that says we must treat everything the same? First of all, Anne, everything, it's not everything, it's everyone. We're treating everyone the same. Why? Because people have rights. Now, she even said this. Uh, she said women have rights and they're human rights. Yes, women's rights are human rights. Guess what? Babies' rights are human rights. And this is another quote from her. When you allow for choice, you allow for flexibility, which is what we need in order to be human. In fact, flexibility does not define our humanhood. Our image and likeness in God defines our humanity. And part of that is the ability to choose. That is correct. Uh, the image and likeness of God means we have a uh, a free will that can choose for the good or for the evil, and we have um, the ability to reason, to uh, weigh things in our mind, and through deductive reasoning we can come to uh, solutions and uh, ideas that the animal world and the plant world can't do. Only humans can do this. Humans and angels and God. So it, it still amazes me that she feels it's so important for her to flex her will in a way that would take away another person's will forever. Eliminating another person's will forever. Eliminating a life because you wanted to make another movie 
and you didn't want to be pregnant. So you killed somebody. You killed your child so you could make another movie instead of raising that child. That's what she's talking about here. You have to allow for that flexibility to kill your baby. Wow. So sad. Um, I, I pity her because she's so lost in the darkness. Uh, I don't know what it will take for her to get the grace to see the truth. I believe she even has, I think she has children. So clearly she can see that the product of the baby in the womb becomes the baby outside the womb, which becomes a grown up little person at some point. Um, very confusing to me, I guess. I don't understand this. Uh, and she can have her own opinions. You know, that's part of living in America. It doesn't make them morally right. But when you go on a show and you speak that out to millions of people and, and profess it to be some kind of truth, well, there's a danger there. It's a great danger there. You know, uh, it makes me think of that. We just had the reading about the millstone being put around the one, the neck of those who mislead the children. Um, very dangerous. So let's spend a little time to actually uh, look at what the church has to say about this. And, and even, I would say, the Bible, because the, the latest attack I'm hearing constantly is the Bible does not prohibit abortion. Nowhere in the Bible does it say abortion is wrong or evil. In fact, it doesn't even mention the word abortion in the Bible. Well, that's very true. Guess what? It doesn't say the word trinity in the Bible, but we know that God is a trinity of three persons. But that, that word does not appear in the Bible. Does that mean it's not true just because it doesn't say it explicitly? No, it does not say that. So let's go into this uh, a little bit just so you have the information you need when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, abortion is even in the Bible. I mean, from the very most basic premise, we can go to the Ten Commandments and, and the ones explicitly saying thou shalt not murder that's in the bible <laughs> uh if if a baby is a person which it is and murder is the deliberate um killing of an innocent life which that is what that is that is the definition of murder and murder is explicitly condemned by god why why by the way is that condemned by god because God makes every little person in his own image and likeness. These are his children. You know, we often think of kids as being the children of the parents. The parents are the guardians of those children. And we do call them parents. But the true parent of every child is God the Father. He made them. He created them. He gave them their hair color, their eye color. He gave them their personality. He created their everlasting soul, which will go on for all of eternity in one of two places. They're his. Now, I wonder if Anne ever thought about when she killed her baby, she was killing God's creation, God's child. And by the way, many of these people, the Hollywood elite, they will scorn you. If you dare put on a fur coat, they will chastise you for eating hamburgers because, of course, the meat is now a problem for the environment. 
but they'll kill a baby. No problem with killing a baby. But don't you dare buy a fur coat and don't you dare eat a eat a steak and a hamburger because you're hurting the environment. It's 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 so upside down. Okay. So <clears throat> let's look to the Bible. What does the Bible tell us? First of all, the Bible teaches us that human life is different from other types of life because human beings are made in the very image of God, as I just said. Um, the creation account, two of them, of man and woman in Genesis tells us this, that God created man in his image. In the divine image, he created them male and female. He created them. That also speaks to gender issues. It's all right here. Genesis 1.27. God created man in his image. In the divine image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The word create is used three times here, and it's emphasizing a special crowning moment in the whole process of God's making all of creation. And, by the way, the man and the woman are given dominion over everything else in the visible world. So they are set apart. All of creation was made for man, except man. Man was made for God. Now, not even the original sin can take away the image of God in human beings. St. James, <coughs> excuse me, refers to this image and says that because of this image, we should not even speak ill of one another. This is what James says in his, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. With the tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in the image of God. This ought not to be brothers. Not even uh, speaking poorly of uh, a person in, in the eyes of James, and this is a scripture, uh, is something we should be doing, let alone killing people. The image of God, this is what it means to be human. We're not just a bunch of cells that are randomly thrown together. Uh, we really reflect an eternal God who knew us before he made us and purposefully called us into existence. This makes me think of um, St. Josephine Bakita again, because she had that great phrase. Uh, I was created from love and uh, love awaits my return. Therefore, I am good. I was created from love. Look, God, we always say that God is love. Yes, he is. He's much more than just love. He's everything, really. Uh, but love created each of us with a purpose, with a plan. And uh, the purpose and plan of a person should not be ended by another person. So when you look at the heart of, of the abortion tragedy, um, there's a question that's raised in the Psalms. So if you go to Psalm 8, verses 5 to 7, this is what the, that Psalm says. Lord, what is man that you care for him? Mortal man that you keep him in mind. With glory and honor you crowned him, giving him power over the works of your hands. You see, David, who wrote these Psalms, he really had a great understanding of the glory and majesty of the Lord. And when you read this, this, we priests and the religious have to, we don't have to, but we do have to. We pray the Psalms every day. 
it's it's the one thing we make a promise when we're ordained to do is pray the psalms in the office uh liturgy of the hours and so we're the priests are familiar with a lot of these uh psalms that we i'm, I'm going to be giving to you because we pray them every every day and we go over them week in a whole week we go through the whole 150 almost psalms so this is the key this key, this psalm holds the key not only did god make us but he values us he values us let me let me read it to you again lord what is man that you care for him mortal man that you keep him in mind with glory and honor you crowned him giving him power over the works of your hands creation so he values us. And the Bible tells us of a God who is madly in love with us. So much so that he even became one of us and then died for us while we were still offending him, by the way. Now, in the face of all this, can we really say that human beings are disposable? No, I don't think we can do that. If the second person of the Trinity left heaven and took a human body and then offered that body on a cross so we could have eternal life, we're very, there's no higher value you can place on a human. Divine blood was shed for you, for me, and for every person, including those in the womb. You know, God didn't do this because he thinks we're junk or he thinks we don't have uh, some high value. A God, the God of heaven and earth, has such a great love for man that he became one of us. And when he returned to heaven uh, during the ascension, he walked into heaven with a body. When he left heaven, he didn't have a body. He was a spirit. The word was a spirit, and he returned with the body, and he went back to his father with this body, and, you know, look at me, Dad, I have a body, and he'll always have that body. It wasn't uh, just to be used for the purpose of redemption. He's keeping it for all time and eternity. That's how much he loves humans. This is what got the uh, Lucifer so angry, because Lucifer didn't love humans. He thought we were lowly like pigs uh and he couldn't believe god was going to become one of us and this is in his great pride and insolence why it got him kicked out of heaven so god values us tremendously the bible also this is my second point teaches that children are a blessing the first command god ever gave to human beings the first commandment was be fruitful and multiply it's in the first chapter of Genesis, verse 28. Why? Because God himself is fertile. Not the way man is, but the way in his own way. Love always overflows into life. When the first mother brought forth the first child, she exclaimed, I have brought forth a man with the help of the Lord. Genesis 4.1. The help of the Lord is essential because he has dominion over human life and its origin. God does. Parents only cooperate with God in bringing forth life. 
because this whole process of creating something from nothing, that's God's domain alone. Man can't do that. Man can't create from nothing. The devil can't create from nothing. Only God can do this. And to interrupt God's process of bringing forth life is deeply sinful. You know, we can't uh, step in and stop something. Actually, we can. We have the ability to. He gave us the free will that we can step in and stop this process of uh, giving new life by killing. But, But man shouldn't do that. It's not our role. The prophet Amos, the dresser of sycamore trees, is how he addressed himself. The prophet Amos condemns the Ammonites because they ripped open expectant mothers in Gilead. That's in Amos 113. And Psalm 127 says, truly children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. You know, you have to read between the lines when you're reading all these scriptures. Abortion Maybe they didn't have the word abortion back then. But but clearly the love for life was something God instilled in people and wanted us to uh, be a fruitful people that would have children. A third, the Bible teaches that the child in the womb is truly a human child who even has a relationship with God. So the phrase conceived and bore is used repeatedly throughout the book of Genesis, uh, and the individual has the same identity before as after birth. In sin, my mother conceived me, the psalmist says. Uh, Also, the psalmist talks about knitting, uh, being knit in my mother's womb. Uh, God also helps and calls to the preborn child. You have been my guide since I was formed from my mother's womb. You are my God. That's Psalm 22, verse 11 and 12. And finally, St. Paul speaking to the Galatians says, God from my mother's womb had set me apart and called me through his grace. All scriptures in the Bible. So (laughs) you really have to, I think a lot of these people don't read the Bible if, if you knew the Bible, you would know that God has a great love uh, and a special place in his heart for the, the babies in the womb. Now, finally, Scripture repeatedly condemns the killing of the innocent. God's own finger wrote on the stone tablets, Thou shalt not kill. And Christ reaffirms this. Uh, in Matthew 19, 18, and also Revelation, the book of Revelation affirms that murderers cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the killing of children is especially condemned by God through the prophets. And in the land God gave his people to occupy, the foreign nations had the custom of sacrificing some of their children in fire. There was a a demon called, well, they called it a god, the god Moloch, but it's a demon. And this was a demon that loved to get the parents to offer their children to him by killing their children. Uh, Psalm 106 uh, relates this. 
they mingled with the nations and learned their works. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons, and they shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, desecrating the land with bloodshed. So the sin of child sacrifice is mentioned as one of the major reasons that the kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians and that the people were taken into exile because they mutilated their sons and daughters by fire. So not even for religious freedom can the killing of children be tolerated. And let us not forget that God uh, is a God of justice. And an act of justice is an act of intervention for the helpless, an act of defense for those who are too weak to defend themselves. So in foretelling the coming of the Messiah, again, David the psalmist says in Psalm 72, justice shall flower in his days, for he shall rescue the poor man when he cries out and the afflicted when he has no one to help him. So Jesus is our justice because he rescued us from sin and death when we had no one to help us. And if God does justice for his people, he expects his people to do justice for one another. You know, uh, we're supposed to be uh, imitators of our Heavenly Father. Be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Uh, in Luke, we hear also, go and do likewise. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's in uh, Matthew and John. So abortion is the opposite of all these teachings. I know you know this, but now you have a little more uh, biblical information that you can store up in your mind. And if you ever do encounter somebody who actually wants to have a conversation, this is not for fighting with people. This is for people who are truly looking for truth. And, and if somebody entertains a conversation with you about this, you can now say, well, actually, you know, I've looked into the Bible quite a bit, and I have a few scriptures I'd like to share with you about this. And you can lead them through this, uh, this uh, summary I've just given you, and it, it helps bring light to people who are in, in some sort of a darkness. And we are over our, our time today. I went a little bit over. I'm sorry. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.